We welcome you this morning. We are so excited that you made time to worship with us. Everything is in the YouVersion app, John chapter 11, verse 1 through 6. It's a familiar story if you've been in church sometime, but there are some things that I'd like to highlight for us this morning. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Lord, bless the ministry of your word. Let your word have light. Let your word bring encouragement. Let it bring revelation. Let it bring what we need today. It never returns void. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated for just a few moments. Jesus preached the gospel through many regions and through many countries, through many villages, and wherever he was, there was change. Wherever he was, there was an incredible impact that was made. And wherever he was, there was always a multitude and there was a large following that took place. It was easy to know where Jesus was because you could just spot the crowd and you could look for the crowd. It didn't matter if he walked into the city. It didn't matter if he went into a desert. It didn't matter if he preached by the Sea of Galilee. No matter where it was, wherever Jesus was, you could count on a crowd and you can count on incredible things to happen. That is the expectation that we come to church Every Sunday, every Wednesday, any time that we gather, that wherever Jesus is, something incredible can happen and something incredible will happen. He is still a living God. He is still a God that moves. He is still a God that transforms. He is still a God that changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that can heal in the New Testament is the same God that is alive and is moving today in this very moment. Wherever Jesus was, something powerful was going to happen. And while there were always many people that surrounded Jesus, and while there was always a crowd that would encompass where he was at, not everyone in the Bible was named or mentioned by name. But this particular family that we're reading about today is mentioned, the details of their circumstance, the details of their situation. We know who they are and we know where they're from. The Bible tells us that it's Mary, that it's Martha, and that it's Lazarus. That these two sisters and brother were from the village of Bethany. And it is through these three people that John writes that we are able to see that you can love Jesus and still have heartache. You can love the Lord and still go through problems. That's encouraging, and someone needs to hear that this morning. Because just two chapters before, in John chapter 9, there was a man that was uh, blind from his birth. 
And Jesus is with his disciples, and the disciples begin to question him, and they ask him this, one in, this question in particular. Lord, who sinned? Was it the man or was it his parents that he be born blind? They were trying to make a connection. They wanted to know what took place that resulted in this man being blind. But Jesus responded, neither this man nor his parents, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed or may be displayed in him. Sometimes our trouble and sometimes your trouble is solely for God to be glorified. Sometimes what we are facing, sometimes what we are going through is so that Jesus could be glorified in the midst of it all. Someone that is encouraging to know in the midst of the the trial, in the midst of the problem, to know that when all is said and done, someone is going to know Jesus. Maybe somebody that doubted him, maybe somebody that hadn't seen him work. But if through my problem somebody can be glorified, somebody can know Jesus, then it is for the glory of God. Maybe what I am facing is going to provide an avenue for someone to come to church and to worship Jesus and to glorify him like they have never done before. Jesus said it was not the man, it was not his parents, but it was so that I could get the glory out of this. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they love Jesus. They love Jesus. They have a relationship with him, but they find themselves in a situation that they've never been in before. And in verse 2, it lets us know in detail so that there would be no confusion, no mix-up. It lets us know exactly who this family is. This Mary, the Bible says, whose brother Lazarus was sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And while, sis, while her sister Martha was busy taking care of everything that was taking place in the household and was busy attending to the, to the different people, the Bible says that Mary was at the feet of Jesus and took a very expensive perfume and washed his feet. She just wanted to be in his presence. And while everybody knew, and while she, while everybody knew who this was, the Bible says that she threw herself at the feet of the master and just said, I want to be in your presence. Could I pause right here and tell you that inside of all of us, there is a Martha and there is a Mary. There's a Martha that needs to take care of the business and needs to take care of life and needs to take care of the family. But there also should be a Mary that can stop and say, I just want to be in the presence of the master. I just need to worship him and I just need to glorify him. I just need to lift him up. I just need to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. I just have to enter his gates with thanksgiving and and through his courts with praise. I have to bless him and glorify him and know that I am his. I I have to know that I have to put some stuff on hold sometimes. And I have to say, Jesus, I just need to be in your presence. Because in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there's pleasures forever. And while she worshipped him, while she was a worshiper, she still had a need. I challenge you this morning that through your trouble, could you just worship him? Through your trouble, could you just worship him? Not for what he has done, but for who he is. 
not for what he has done in your life, not for the doors that he has opened, not for the faithfulness that he has proven, because the, the fact that you're here today is a sign of his faithfulness, but could you worship him for who he is, that he is the Lord of our situation. And he is the Lord of our problems. He is the God of my frustration, the God of my loneliness, the God of my heartache, the God of my shortcomings, the God of my past. He is. So they sent word to Jesus. The sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. They wanted to make sure that he understood, that he received the message clearly and they wanted to emphasize the urgency of the emergency. The one you love is sick. Jesus, uh, uh, they were, they're banking on the fact that immediately when he hears this, he is going to drop everything that he's doing and he is going to come because he got the message. It's Lazarus, the one you love. No, Jesus, it's not just anybody, it's not the other Lazarus, it's Lazarus, the one you love. And the Bible says in verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. He knows the beginning and he knows the end. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. While we may not understand it, we need to stay focused on the reality that it is so God can get glory out of it. Martha and Mary don't understand it. They're in the middle of it, but they know without a shadow of a doubt Jesus is going to come. But Jesus' response is, this sickness is not unto death. Lazarus is still alive at the moment that he's saying this, but he knows the, like I mentioned, he knows the end. He knows the beginning. He knows everything in between. He said, it doesn't matter what the situation, the process, he is the God that performs and he is the God of the outcome. Hallelujah. He is the God of the outcome. And the Bible says in verse 5, Jesus loved them. Why is this so important? Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So here we see again, not only did they love Jesus, but Jesus loved them. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, there's, and this is important for some of us here today because you can doubt a lot of things in our lives that we live. But if there's one thing that we cannot doubt, it is his love for us. The Bible says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. The Bible says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. The Bible says that so see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. The Bible says, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I can doubt the economy. I can doubt the forecast. I can doubt predictions, but I can't doubt his unconditional, his unwavering, and his unfailing love for me. He loves you right where you're at. He loves you in the situation that you're in. He loves you with your problems. He loves you with your failures. He loves you with your shortcomings. He loves you just like where you're at. He loves you. He loved Lazarus. And yet verse 6 tells us, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there he was two more days. And this is a tough pill for you and I to swallow because many of the times you and I can relate 
to Martha and Mary and to Lazarus where we call on Jesus and it seems like he's delaying. Where you have a request at thrown before the altar and yet it seems like heaven is silent and Jesus is not coming to our rescue. The Bible says in verse 7, and he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Lazarus is in Bethany. Why, why are you going to Judea, master? Don't you remember the message that we sent to you? Jesus, the one, Jesus, Lazarus, the one you love is sick. And this can be how some of us are feeling here today that we're, we're calling on him. And we're pleading. And we're begging and we're saying, Jesus, we need you right at this moment. If you just showed up and if you just walked into my circumstance right at this particular moment, everything would change. And we're, we're hoping and we're praying, but it seems like Jesus is taking his time. When Jesus isn't moving quick enough to help me, to rescue me, to come to my side, to get me out of it. The Bible says he stayed there for two more days. Not only does he not come right away, he wants to take a detour when they need him in Bethany. And this is where the real struggle is for us. Because if he doesn't come immediately on my watch, he's late. That's how I perceive it. That's how I judge it. And maybe that's how you do as well. But he's never late. Because he sits outside of time. Before time, he was. Before the earth was formed and before the heavens were made. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He's not governed by a clock. He's not manipulated by a watch. Before time, he was. And after time is gone, he will be. He may not come when you and I want him to because I've been on that receiving end as well. But just because he didn't come when I asked him to doesn't mean that he still isn't able. Doesn't mean he still isn't able. They face trouble. The Bible says in verse 14, so then they told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. Why did this happen? Because Jesus tells his disciples, our friend Lazarus is asleep. I will go to awaken. The disciples thought he was talking uh, literally when Jesus was talking symbolically. They thought, Master, if he's asleep, he's going to wake up. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So why, what, is this, what, is this entail, what does this entail for us? Not only did Lazarus get sick, not only was he in a grave situation, now he's dead. They love Jesus, he loves them, and the situation is getting worse. The situation is getting worse. Jesus stayed there, Lazarus dies, all of a sudden they're planning a funeral. There's a lot to process here for Mary and Martha. They don't understand why Jesus would love them and still hold off. And in verse 15, the Bible says, 
And for your sake, he said, Lazarus is dead. And, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. This is Jesus speaking. But let us go to him. Sometimes the way the Lord operates doesn't make sense to you and I. Sometimes the way he operates, why are you going now? He is God. The Bible says all of this, all of this took place. So I went through all of that. I went through all the heartache and I went through the loss and the pain and the suffering and I went through it all so that you could believe. For when all is said and done, if we could believe that we could believe that he is who he says he is. And if we could believe that he can do what he says he can do, that we could believe that he is all-knowing and that he still sits on the throne regardless of what's taking place down here. God was setting them up for a miracle and maybe that could be you today where God is waiting to see if you could really trust him in the midst of everything that has piled against you. Jesus comes on his time in verse 17. On his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Not only did he not come when he was sick, he didn't come when he died. He waited for four days. It all goes back to what he said in verse 5, so that you would believe that when God is done, all doubt, all uncertainty, all maybe, maybe it didn't happen the way it did, all of that would go out the window. So here comes Jesus, and the Bible says that Martha is upset that she doesn't even let him in his house, in her house this time, that she goes out to meet him. And in verse 21, the Bible says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, he's still Lord regardless of the outcome. He's still Lord in the pain. He's still Lord in the suffering. He's still Lord through my trial. Lord, Martha said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have come when I called you, if you would have come when I called you, I wouldn't be in this situation. I wouldn't be in this situation. Verse 22 then says, but I know Check out this faith. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Is there anybody that knows that he's an even now God? I know some time has passed. I know things didn't pan out the way I wanted them to. I know that the outcome that took place was not the way I really intended it. And it was not what I wanted to happen in my life. But even now... You are still God. Even now you are still God and even now you can still work in the midst of my situation. Even now you can still work in the midst of this. Even now. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And verse 24, Martha answered, said, I know I will rise again. In the resurrection of the last day. And this is where Martha gets caught up in faith for the future. Because we all have faith for the future. And saying one day it's going to be okay. One day. But Jesus is talking about faith for the present. Do you have faith for the present situation that you find yourself in? That, you, that has come against your marriage? That has come against your family? That has come against your health? That has come against your finances? Do you have faith for that current situation? Because she has faith and says, one day, 
One day it's, it's going to happen. One day my marriage will be better. One day I'll, I won't fight as much with my spouse. One day my children will stop acting crazy. One day I'll get my, my finances uh, will, will not be so tight. One day, one day, but Jesus stands behind, be, before her and says, no, I'm not just talking about the future. He said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that is the question for some of us here today. Yes, you have faith for the future, but do you have faith for the right now? Do you have faith for the moment that you're living in right now and said, God, I don't know what the outcome would be, but I know that you could do something right now. Right now. I am the resurrection. And she said, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. They call for Mary. She joins the conversation. In verse 32, she repeats the words Martha had previously said. So now she, Jesus hears it from Martha, and now he's hearing it from Mary. If you would have been here, my son would not have died. My brother would not have died. And in verse 34, he asks, where have you laid him? Where did you put him? Come and see, they replied. They took Jesus to the place where he was. They took Jesus to the place where Lazarus was buried. They took him to the place where they put him, where they gave up hope, where they buried the dream, where they buried and they said, it will never happen. It will never happen. And Jesus asked the same question to us today. When, when did you stop praying about it? Take me to that place in your life where you stopped praying and you stopped believing that I could come and that I could still work in your favor. Take me to the place where you gave up hope completely and said there's absolutely no way that it could take place now. Jesus said, take me to that place. Take me to, the pla to that place. They take Lazarus. They take Jesus to where Lazarus. And this is where you find the shortest scripture in the Bible. The Bible says that Jesus wept. This is so powerful because, spoiler alert, he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he knows what's going to happen. But yet he stopped and he empathized. You're hurt. He's been there. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. He, there's a double negative that, that is used there, which means we do. We have a high priest who can empathize with us. He came. He was born of a virgin. He was made flesh. He, he went through pain. He went through suffering. He went through loss. He went through rejection. We have a high priest who can empathize with us. He knows what it's like. The Bible says that he wept there with Mary and Martha in the, in the situation that they had been. He wept. He understands the pain and he understands the hurt. And in verse 38, and I'm drawing to a close worship team, will you come? He says, take away the stone. But Lord said, Martha, 
the sister of the dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor. For he's been there for four days. Can I just stop right here and say that I'm glad that the stink doesn't stop him. Can I just thank him for being a God who doesn't let the bad odors of our situations hinder him from coming to us. When I messed up and when you messed up, there was a God that was willing to come and to come close to you. And he said, yeah, you may have messed up. Yeah, you may have gotten dirty. Yeah, but he doesn't let the stink in our lives and in your lives. He doesn't let it stop him from working. It doesn't let, it doesn't stop him. He said, take away the stone. So here you have Jesus. He's about to call Lazarus out of the grave. The almighty, the all-powerful God could have easily, he could have said, stone move out of the way. And it could have happened. I, I sincerely believe that he can do anything and he can speak anything into existence. That's the God that we serve. But he said, take away the stone. Why did he tell them this? Because they had to act on faith. If you believe that I can do it, why don't you take a step and, and remove the stone? And for some of us, we have some, some guards up in our lives. For some of us, we have some guards up that God is saying, would you bring the guard down? Would you bring the guard down and still believe that I can work? And still believe that I'm able to do an exceeding abundant work in your life? Could you bring the guard down? But for some of us, it's just there because of, of past experiences, because of what we've gone through, that we doubt. That we doubt and we said, it's never happened. He waited for four days. He waited for four days because the theology... Or the mindset of the, of the people at that time was that the spirit really didn't leave the body until the fourth day. He waited until all uncertainty and until all doubt. Because if Jesus would have showed up on day two, they would have said the spirit never left the body. If he would have showed up on day three, they would have said the exact same thing. But Jesus shows up. Everybody thought it was way too late. But Jesus says, you know what? I can, I can raise some things from the dead. I can, I can resurrect your, your dream. And I can resurrect your hope. And I can resurrect relationships. And I can resurrect your faith. And, and I can resurrect that area in your life that, that you've guarded and that has died and that you've given up on. Where is the situation in your life today that you have buried and that you have said, there's no way, I, I won't ever smile again. I won't ever smile again. I won't ever know what it's like to have faith the way I once have because of the situations that we have encountered. Jesus said, take away the stone. Take away the stone. They acted. They moved the stone, and Jesus said, Father, I thank you because I know that you hear me. But for the sake of those that are around, I'm going to call Lazarus out of the grave. He could have thought Lazarus out of the grave, but he called him out. And he said, Lazarus, come out. And in that instance, the dead man 
came leaping out of that grave. And today I believe that there's hopes that are going to come leaping out of the grave. And today I believe that there's dreams and aspirations. And I believe that there's something in your life today that you had buried and that you had given up on. I believe there's callings that are going to be resurrected. I believe there's ministries that are going to be resurrected. I believe that thing in your life that you stopped praying for. God that still raises dead situations in our life. And just because it's been gone doesn't mean that he doesn't have the power to call it back. So what is in your heart today? What is in your spirit? What is it that you have tucked away and just said, God, I don't think you can do it anymore? But today you're saying, God, I believe. And you can just take the stone away. Take that guard, bring that guard down and believe that he can do a work like never before. Could you believe it for your family? Could you believe it for your career? Could you believe it for your spiritual life? Could you believe it for your ministry? Could you believe it for every aspect of your life? Could you say, God, I believe that there's things that you can resurrect. While there's things that we have had to say goodbye to, and while there's things, I realize that there's some things that will not. But I also have to have faith to believe that God can still work with my faith, and he can work with my hope. He can work with my joy. He can work with my relationship that's still hanging on by a thread. He can work with my family that has been dysfunctional. But hey, if there's still time, there's still hope. And bring Jesus into the mix and anything could happen. And I want to pray for you today. But before I do that, I want to give you the opportunity. If you're here today and you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I don't know if we can wrap our heads around how incredible that is to take that first step this morning to say, you know what, Jesus, I believe in you because the greatest miracle of all is the salvation of our souls, to know that when this life is is over, when we serve God and we live for him, that we'll spend eternity with him. That is the greatest miracle of them all, but to know him and to know the love of the Father. And I want to give you that opportunity, so I'm going to invite you to close your eyes right where you're at. I'm going to invite everyone to close your eyes. Here at Impact City Church, we believe in community. And we believe that no one should do life alone. So if if you're here this morning and you believe that he can do what he says he can do, He is a savior. He is a savior who saves us. And if you'd like to make that first time decision to make him your savior this morning, I want to invite you to just raise your hand as every eye is closed. Right where you're at. If you believe that he can do it, you can raise it in the chat. You can can let us know in the chat. And here at 
we want to pray together with you. So everyone, please repeat after me. Lord, I admit I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you are Jesus, the Son of God, who died for the sins of this world. And I confess you as Lord, Savior, and King of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we stand on our feet and give God some praise this morning?